MacCast, Tuesday, December 6th, 2011. Hey, Mac Geeks, it's time for your MacCast, the show for Mac Geeks by Mac Geeks. I'm Adam, and this is the show where we discuss all things Macintosh. How you doing? Welcome back to the MacCast. I actually have a little extra episode for you today. Um, it's been a while since we sat down and talked about Mac and using your Macs as a home theater. And every time I do that, I invite on the show a friend, fellow Mac Geek, and the host of the HDTV podcast over at htguys.com, Ara Derderian. And it's been way too long since we've had Ara on. I've also been getting a lot of questions from you about uh, different ways to integrate your Macs, iTunes, uh, now iOS devices into your home theater setups. So I think what we need to do is probably actually have a series of these because there's lots of questions related to this. Um, we're going to kick this one off with a little update of Ara's setup. He, man, we started this years ago and he started out building a system based around Mac minis and that has evolved over the years. We've covered it a couple different times. Um, if you actually go on maccast.com, you'll see there's a Mac home theater category and you can find all these episodes that I've done with R over the years. Uh, but on this one, we're going to get an update on his system, which has been switched over uh, to kind of get rid of most of the Mac minis, as you're going to hear on this episode. So I hope you enjoy it. Take a listen. Uh, here's R. Durian and myself talking about using your Mac as a home theater. Okay, I want to welcome back to the MacCast R. Durian of the HT guys. Hey, Ara, how are you doing? Hey, I'm doing well. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, it's, it's been it's been way too way too long. Yeah, you know, I was you know sometimes it's funny. I I look for reasons to uh, to collaborate because I enjoy coming on your show so much. So I think recently I sent you a couple emails about some uh, Mac home theater stuff in the news, and you said, "Hey, let's get back together and uh, and and talk again." Yeah, exactly. So Ara does the uh, home theater podcast at htguys.com, right? Yeah, it's the HDTV and Home Theater Podcast. Yeah, and uh, you've been on the MacCast several times in the past. There's actually a whole series, believe it or not. If you go to my site, maccast.com, um, and click on the Mac Home Theater category, uh, we've done a number of these over the years, and you can go back and listen to them. And That's actually what we're going to kind of talk about today, because on those episodes, you can kind of get the chron chronology. Uh, Ara has for a long time, built and modified and adjusted a uh, whole Mac home theater system. Originally started, built around, oh man, probably the original Mac Mini, right? Uh, the, yeah, the first one that had digital output, digital audio output. Yeah, and so you generally live in the world of, you know, flat screen TVs and high-end receivers, and and you're also, though, a huge Mac guy. We actually did uh, a whole talk on this at Macworld one year, which was a lot of fun. Um, and so we're going to kind of talk today, I think, about the next evolution of your whole setup and uh, maybe give the folks some ideas about uh, how they might build something similar. I, th I think yours is pretty yours is pretty on the uh, extreme end, <laughs> maybe in terms of just the number of components and stuff like that. But we can give people who are maybe thinking about getting started or if you just want to go hog wild, I think some really good ideas about how to configure and 
and centralized. And I've been getting a lot of uh, questions from a lot of people about how do I set this kind of stuff up? How do I organize stuff? Where do I keep stuff? Um, how do I get it all working together? Especially in, in these days, a lot of people have multiple machines. You've got iPads, you've got iPhones. So we're going to try and answer some of those questions. I don't know if we'll be able to answer everything, but I think the plan here is that we'll have you back on a little more frequently because I think more and more Apple's moving into this kind of media space. Well, they, they've been in it a long time with iTunes, but I think it's getting more and more. And maybe toward the end of this episode, we'll talk a little bit about uh, the rumors of Apple maybe even actually doing a television. So Apple's kind of moving into into your space that you that you are you and your partner are normally talking about on your show, right? Yeah, exactly. And uh, hopefully we can get a little iCloud discussion in there too, because it, it, it's kind of exciting about this. And again, I think I've said this on the last show. What's cool about doing your show? I don't have to hold back all my enthusiasm about Mac because our our show is uh, HDTV and home theater, and we, and we talk about everything and not just Mac specific. So I, I'll get some hate, not hate mail, just some email saying, hey, it's not, Mac's not the only way to go. But what's, <laughs> what's cool about this is now I don't have to, I don't have to hide my enthusiasm about this. Well, and, and I think that's a good point to make, though, is yes, you're, you're a Mac person, but you also live in the, the PC world and just the technology world in general. And so a lot of your decisions come about by looking at sort of what the best technology is. And it's, and I don't say best to be kind of arrogant. I just, it comes like, this is the easiest way to set this up. And yes, in some cases, I mean, I think they may be more expensive solutions, but sometimes they're more elegant solutions too. But, so it's know, kind of that situation where you get what you pay for to a certain degree. And, and that's exactly right. And and some of the problem in um, in podcasting in general is right now, it's mostly all techies. So they're so... Um, they're so focused on the specs, right. and you hear this about the iPhone and the iPad, and you know it's not about the specs; it's about the uh, the experience, and that's what I and, and I've used everything. I, I literally can say I have used uh, Android, I've used uh, iPhone, I've used uh, Apple, I've used uh, you know IBM PCs, you name it. I've written software for Windows. Right. And I form my opinion based on all those, uh, you know, 25 years of experience in the in the tech world. So it's not kind of like, oh, you you've never seen what it's like on our side versus that. So and, and, and yes, I am biased, but it's it comes from a historical point of view that I have become biased because of how easy everything works. Right. And I think a lot of the, the folks that listen to this show are going to kind of kind of understand that. So we're not trying to take away from the fact that, yes, you could, if you're really technical, you could ground up, you know, build a home theater PC box and run Windows or some variant of, Lin, you know, a Linux project, one of these uh, Xbox Media Center projects and, you know, compile that from scratch. The thing is, is that a lot of people don't want to do that. If they just want components and pieces that they can put together. Uh, they have all their stuff in iTunes. And and that's, I think, what we're going to be talking about kind of on this show, that kind of solution, the more consumer-friendly. This is something most people could piece together uh, maybe in a weekend if they have, you know, with the right components, obviously, and we'll cover what those are, and have something working, you know, and right. not have to worry about it. Yeah, j- quick side note, I have built a... Uh 
a media center from uh, Linux. It was Myth TV. It was pretty cool. And then when it was all said and done, we even bought like a home theater PC type of case for it. Mm-hmm. And then I took my uh, friend over who we were thinking, oh, we'll, we'll build this as a business. And I showed him my Apple TV setup, and I'm like, yeah, forget it. So, <laughs> so I mean, this is like, why would anyone? You know, we, we have to sell this for like a thousand dollars to make any money. And oh, or you could just go buy an Apple TV, and you pretty much have everything except for the live TV recording aspect. Okay, so let's dive into it. Let's let's yeah. talk a little bit just to give everybody a quick review of the the setup before you moved it over to uh, Apple TVs. So, can can we do a quick review of the kind sure. of pieces that you had? Originally, everything was Apple. I'm sorry, everything was uh, Mac Mini based. I had one Mac Mini that served all the content, and that was uh, stored in my office on a gigabit network. And then I had Mac Minis at all the televisions. Uh, the audio, I had an um, optical cable going from the Mac Mini to my receiver, so I'd get the 5.1 digital uh, audio. And I had a um, uh, DVI to HDMI connection going to the television monitor. And I was using, at that time, Front Row as my media server and my media um, uh, interface. And there was a couple other ones you could. You could use Plex, you could use Boxy, but I, I just, at the time, liked Front Row. Yeah, you kept everything very Apple-centric and Apple-based, I think, where you could, right? Yeah, because uh, I, while the other stuff was very powerful, I found uh, the simplicity and the elegance of the uh, Apple solution easy enough to where my children, my uh, wife, my wife's family could use with minimal training. Right, right. You didn't have to do a lot of that. And just real quick on the network side, we, we've covered this too, and I don't think we're going to dive too deep into that it you were using wired versus wireless right yes because of the amount of uh, video and audio that i had running through the house it was just more reliable while 802.11n could support it uh it could be you know if you had a lot of interference or something happened you might get a dropout and i found with the wired solution i never had a dropout yeah it, it gets it gets a little tricky especially if you have a larger space that you're trying to cover um did you ever try it wireless and and what kinds of challenges did you run into there if you did i I did try it wireless and uh it worked well uh, in the case where i had one video stream going and even a microwave turned on but uh and actually i gotta be honest that i used the airport extreme the one the dual band and that was the most reliable yep uh because that really cut down on a lot of the interference and if you had 802.11g device on your network it didn't scale the whole uh you know wi-fi down to 802.11g speeds right and so um uh, it worked well and then when i went up to the three tvs and turned it on and had my daughter running something in her um uh in you know on her imac it kind of started bogging down right now granted that's an extreme stream uh, an extreme situation but you know, I had the I had the house wired, so I figured, why not leave the the Wi-Fi open for other uses? Well, yeah, and, and depending on what you're doing, you know, I was having a challenge in my house. I had uh, the Airport Extreme, the dual band base station, and then I bought one of the newer uh, 802.11n Airport uh, Express base stations to do the sort of uh, I don't know if you call it Wi-Fi bridging. I always get the term wrong. Basically, extending the network, right? The the wireless right, bridging network. it, right? Yeah. And um, I was having real reliability problems with that solution and performance problems, even with that solution, you know, all Apple components. And, you know, I didn't 
I'm not in the situation where I have my house wired and I didn't really want to pay to run physical wire. So I ended up going with one of the uh, power line solutions. And uh, I don't know if you've played around with those in terms of the home theater stuff, but that has worked out good for me. Again, I'm not running multiple uh, streams over the thing, but now I'm running my uh, Apple TV over the physical you know, cable, but it's using the power line in my house. Yeah, our experience with the power line is, has been whatever the stated uh, throughput is on the box, you're going to get probably one-third to half of that. Yep. And what we found is <laughs> it works great for audio. You'll never have a problem with audio. It works great for surfing. Uh, but And, and video, um, it'll work as well for, you know, six uh, you know, megabits, 10 megabit streams if you have something like that. Like, you know, Netflix, it'll work fine. Yep. It's just when you're starting to move high-definition stuff around to multiple devices, that's when it started breaking down for us. Okay. Yeah, see, and I, have, I haven't really been doing that. Oh, I've been streaming, you know, I can stream stuff from, from iTunes, again, to one TV over it, and I get much, a much more reliable connection. I was just getting dropouts and other weird stuff. Yeah, I, I highly recommend HomePlug. Uh, get the fastest one you can find that's rated, and and you will, uh, you know, it'll work better for you. Uh, it just and also your mile, mileage will vary depending on what plugs you use. You could go in one plug and get this great bandwidth, move it over to another plug, and all of a sudden it, it's cut in half. Yeah, yeah, and they do recommend you know that that is the only thing plugged into that plugged into that plug. Which that gets a little tricky, you know. If you're yeah, trying to power your, you're trying to power your TV and all your components on the receiving side, you only have two outlets there. They're like, oh, only have one outlet plugged in. So you're you're back to this wire problem, right? How do I get how do I get power from a different outlet? So I'm not doing that, and I think that's what kind of contributes to the interference. And absolutely, another mistake I think a lot of people don't realize and, and make is plugging, trying to plug the power line into a power strip will not work. Right. The only thing you can do is plug it into an extension cord. That exactly. cuz that's not a power strip or a power conditioner or anything like that. It simply just like moves your plug, you know. So that may be a way you could work around it if you can string an extension cord along the, you know, the baseboard or something to another plug. That may work out for you as well. Yeah, that's that's what I did. I just have I have them plugged into a, a cable just so that I can use both outlets. But I think I have a feeling I'd get better performance if I was just plugged into the one outlet. So I think I ended up with the eighty five. It's rated at eighty eighty five megabit, and I generally just like you said, I get thirty to forty uh, megabit reliably across it. So I don't. I think that works out to pretty close to the end speed, right? Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, you'll be. Uh, oh no. N is like two fifty six. Oh, okay. Yeah. So uh, the theoretical, uh, you won't <laughs> you won't get that, but uh, right. y- you can get d- definitely over two hundred. So yeah, eighty five is uh, it's better than G and in between N. All right. Okay. So well, it's work. It's working for me for for what I use it for. So. But yeah, wired is. I think the point of this one, the end of this conversation is <laughs> wired is the absolute best way to go if you're if you're getting into this stuff. Right. So, okay. So we're at the point where I was all um, uh, Mac mini base. And, you know, there's, uh, although it doesn't use a lot of power, I I had these computers always on and all this excess processing that I didn't need. So uh, when Apple came out with their Apple TV 2 at $99, I I decided I was going to go and re-encode my entire library because what I was using on the Apple TVs was just a DVD rip in the pure DVD format. 
So I went and re-encoded everything into H.264 uh, Apple TV format. I used Handbrake to do that. I just took the folder that the movie was sitting in, threw it at Handbrake and said, give me an Apple TV. Uh, uh, it was Apple TV preset. And uh, there's, a, there's a video quality button in Handbrake. And I, and I increased the video quality just a little bit. Uh, and it, it turned out fantastic. I did side-by-side comparison, and what I was getting on H.264 compared to the original DVD was uh, was imperceptible. Uh, I mean, if you really went up to it and, and looked, you could see some differences. But uh, overall, the, the family felt that it looked the same. That process took me about a month because I just did a few every night. And uh, so I moved over to, to um, a Mac Mini, uh, uh, an Apple TV-based system. And I could go through the, the pieces of that if you'd like. Well, yeah. Before you do that, I want to talk a little bit about the conversion of the video. So you were starting with just pure uh, video TS rips yes. of the DVDs, yeah. which is well, that's what you were using with the, the front row uh, Mac Mini solution. The, that's right. So it was the exact quality of the DVD was what I was looking on the, uh, with the Apple TV version. Right. And then I had to transcode that to H.264, something that the Apple TV could play. Yeah, absolutely. So the the two questions I have for you related to that uh, first would be uh, any heartbreak over because with the video TS solution, you have you probably had all the extras and some of the additional language features and, and things like that. Right. I stripped all that stuff out. Well, uh, you, I mean, you have to. I, I didn't. No, no. I mean, even with the video. That? Even with the video TS, okay. I, I didn't want it. What I wanted is when I selected the movie, the movie played. Just played the movie. I, okay. I didn't want the previews. I didn't because I could have made it an exact duplicate copy, and then the the menus would come up and all that stuff. I I, I didn't like that. If I wanted to see that, I had the discs. You still have the discs, right? So, so I, could, I can go pop in the disc and look at it. Well, and so I think that, but that's a point to be brought up with with this you know some people that that may be a big deal and with this solution moving to apple tv there as far as i know there isn't a way to kind of preserve that stuff and have this apple tv solution with your own ripped content correct that's correct other than ripping each individual uh feature and putting it on your uh server Uh, and naming it as such You, you could do that if you wanted to it just it's no longer clean because now you you're, all those titles are just going to... Yeah, you are, just have videos. You just right. have little bits and pieces of video and organizing those. There's really not a good good method for doing that within iTunes. That's right. Yeah. Uh, so the, the alternative to that would be buying your content through through Apple rather than buying the physical plastic things anymore. So do you see yourself moving in that direction? I think, have or? done that on a few. There were a few titles that I had a very difficult time ripping. Uh, one of them was True Grit, as it turns out. And this was a little disappointing for me. So I downloaded the True Grit, and it did have extras, and it was really cool. But those extras only worked on um, iTunes on my computer. When I went to view that content on my Apple TV, I couldn't have access to the extras. Oh, it was really strange. I went back. I went looking to see, okay, what am I doing wrong? And maybe your listeners can help out. If I'm still doing something wrong, let me know. But I could not get the extra features to play on the Apple TV. Oh, that's a great point. I had not really tested that. I just did my first, uh, because I've always been, I want the physical plastic thing because of the extras. Um, And the frustrating thing that happened to me was I wanted to get Captain America, uh, the new Captain America film. 
and I did not buy it. I for, I wasn't paying attention. It came out release week, didn't buy it. And so by the time I saw it on the shelf at the store, you know, if you're not in that first week, the price like goes up 10 and almost doubles. Right. <laughs> right. So I could have got it for 13 bucks because I only buy the regular DVD. I don't buy it by the Blu-ray seat yet. Um, and it was, you know, 23 $24 by the time I was going to pick it up in the store. And uh, so that at that point, I'm like, well, maybe it's time to just start buying this stuff digitally. And so I bought it through Apple. I ended up buying the HD version. So it ended up at about 20 bucks. So I only saved $4. Uh, but I have not tried uh, playing the extra content through my, uh, through my Apple TV. Well, I, if you, if you have success, let me know. And I, uh, there may be some sort of button you press somewhere in the settings that say enable, you know, extra content that I haven't been able to find. Right. And that's funny. I'm trying to think, I, I thought I had access to it right there on my first generation Apple TV, but I did not try playing it on my Apple TV too. And that's just because of how my house is set up. I have my original Apple TVs hooked up to an old television that still has a uh, component component in. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. And uh, so I can't, you know, I, I don't have a TV in my living room that has an HDMI input. So that one's in the bedroom and that's what the Apple TV two is hooked up to. So interesting. So yeah. the second thing that I wanted to ask you about that encoding um, process is how did you end up with the Apple TV preset? And, and with that preset, can you still, that content you're just having on your home network then and connected to your TVs, I'm assuming, it, it's not a, a version that you can transfer over to iPhones or iPads, or is that not the case? No, that's correct. You can't uh, transfer it over, especially what I'm doing is I'm increasing the video quality, uh, which I think adds to the data rates. And for whatever reason, I've not been able to get those to play on my iPad. And what I will do is I'll just take the uh, H.264 file, that MPEG file. Uh, if I'm going on a trip or something, I'll ask the kids what movies you guys want on your iPads. And I just throw that at, um, at a handbrake and I say convert this for iPad. And so it just, it just generates another file that the kids put into their iTunes folder and then they just sync it to their, um, to their computers. Right. So, so that is uh, – I, I decided – this is first and foremost first and foremost a movie server so i want the quality to be high quality i'm not concerned about ipad uh if i want to put it on my ipad or my iphone it's just um it, to transcode it from there is like a an hour process yeah now you just got to think a little further in advance and it, will it also not be recognized even streaming over your home network to a, to an ipad or does that work uh, that's exactly right. Uh, same thing. I, in fact, I was trying to uh, show my system off to a friend of mine. Check this out. And I did the sharing, and it wouldn't play. I was so bummed. But the thing is, that True Grit movie that I told you that I downloaded, uh, that did stream through the sharing. So yeah. uh, they have the um, the right uh, formula, which if I could find it, that would be great, where <laughs> I could do one where the quality of the movie is great because I've got a 100-inch projector, so I want the highest quality, and right. True Grit did look good on that, uh, where it'll look good on the, on the uh, Apple TV and on the iPad. Yeah, so the, where I was leading with this is that you kind of have to make some, some choices about where, where you're going to watch your content and how much quality you want because Handbrake does have, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit different than you. I, I think I go for the more convenience route, kind of going back to that conversation right. from earlier. And I don't have real high-end televisions. Um, 
as a matter of fact, like I was saying, my li- my living room television is still a tube, you know, 3010 right. Sony <laughs> Vega tube. Uh, and so I usually end up doing the handbrake to just the universal setting, which will go to everything. But my quality ends up being a little bit less. I mean, you can see some pixelation, especially on, on my, you know, HD TV. Uh, so you make some compromises, but I can, you know, sync that to an iPhone, sync that to an iPad or just watch it in, in my house. So yeah, there are some trade-offs. That's a good point. Yeah. So my such situation, like you said, is, is set up to be a video uh, server first and foremost. So, so once you've converted that, uh, I have one, uh, Mac mini that is my server quote unquote, and I run iTunes on that. And it's um and and I do have a home share, so that's the other key piece that Apple did to make this whole thing work seamlessly. You create the home share, and then all your Apple TVs, you put it on the home share, and it just goes and finds your computer. Uh, so I've named my Apple TV, my Mac Mini, that's my video server, movie server, for lack of a better word. So. Under the computer list, you see movie server, and you go select movies, and all your movies are there with the album art, with the uh, with the um, you know information about the, the actors, all that great information, and it's just a really fantastic looking presentation. Okay, so so, so let's get into some of the tech, technical details of that piece. Uh, but first, can for anybody who might not know, can you explain a, a home share? So a home share is this. Uh, technology Apple has where in iTunes you create a home share with your Apple ID and all you do is you put in your Apple ID and it doesn't count against the number of computers that um, you know that are allowed to uh, you're allowed to have on your iTunes account so uh, you know how you I think you have a maximum of five right so this doesn't count against that it's a it's a separate thing in the uh, in iTunes under I think advanced so you log in with your Apple ID and then any other device that's on the home share, be it uh, um, uh, another Macintosh or, or an Apple TV or even your iPad or your iPhone, you log into it. And once all these devices are on the network, they see each other. So the Apple TV, I'm sorry, I keep interchanging these terms. My Mac mini, that's my server, just shows up under the shared libraries. And you can just go browse the library on any of these devices and pick the content that you want to watch. Right. And but the key here is that you use the uh, a single Apple ID for all of these devices that are going to get connected together over the the home sharing connect- connection. Correct. Right. And what I've done is I've created a, a secondary ID that's just bogus. It doesn't have a credit card associated with it. So when my guests come over to my house, if, if they want, I say, here, you can get your computer on my home share. It's usually for the kids. The adults are talking and stuff, but the right. kids will have their iPads or whatever. I say, here, you can watch whatever movies or, or whatever content that, that'll play to your iPad. Oh, that's interesting. That That's a that's a great tip. And I think you just go, if you go to apple.com slash apple id or something like that I, I was noticing the other day that it's very hard to find that that place where you can sign up for an additional apple id <laughs> you know what you have to do you have to log out you have to go buy a free uh application this is how i did it i i, I searched and searched and then at that point uh it says sign up for an account or log in so you create a new account and since you're you're downloading a free app you can just say, I don't want a credit card associated with this, and they allow you to do it. There is no clean way to say, let me sign up for an Apple ID without a credit card. Uh, actually, there is. 
Oh, good. I'll good. give you a tip. If if you just go to uh, appleid.apple.com, you can just create an Apple ID. And I don't think it requires a, a credit card at that point. As a matter oh. of fact, I know it doesn't because I just signed up for for a new one yesterday because I oh, was testing awesome. something, out, something out. Yeah. So it's appleid.apple.com? Yeah. All oh, one word, awesome. appleid.apple.com. And so you can create Apple IDs till your heart's content or till you run out of email addresses. You do have to have a, a real unique uh, email address associated with every Apple ID that you create. But Well, yeah, and, and what you could do, I think, in this case, is just go to Gmail, create a Gmail uh, account, right. and then just use that as your Apple ID. Exactly. Oh, exactly. this is so cool. Thank you so much. This is going to help me out. <laughs> so relate, related to that, though, and this is something I didn't know and I'm going to ask you about, is so if I have all my purchase content, my authorized content under one Apple ID and then my home share under a different Apple ID, that separate home share Apple ID can still access that content because it's authorized at the source? Is only, that how that works? So you have to authorize that uh, um email to uh, to access that uh content so i'm trying to remember how i did that you have a computer that is authorized okay and then you put that computer on the home share then by virtue anything on that home share gets authorized right so you could have a different home share account on that computer as long as that computer also has the right to play that video Right, right. You can. A lot of people, I think, don't don't realize this, but you can authorize multiple IDs to a single, say, like iTunes account. That's right. Yeah. So as long as that iTunes source, so your server is authorized for all the content that's on it, um, the Apple ID that's shared across is just just the same. But that's just to create that connection. It's actually pulling the content since it's streaming over the network from the, the iTunes Mac mini server, and that's authorized to play that content. So that's all that it takes. That's right. And so what it does is it kind of by extension allows the Apple TV to uh, participate. Right. Uh, there is a limitation in the number of non-Apple TVs that can, uh, commu- that can um, connect to your home share. So you can have 100 devices registered on your home share but only five can actually connect to your uh itunes account at a given time okay so and then what we found is that it won't clear that until you restart itunes so if that person connects and then he turns off his ipad uh, until you restart itunes you can't add another person to it so that's the situation where you have a guest coming over and you say hey use this 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 apple id right. to connect to my home share if you've already had at some point uh, you know, up to five people connected to that, you're going to have to go reboot the the system. Uh, just iTunes. Just restart iTunes. Oh, just restart iTunes. Okay. And that kind of cl- clears out the the limit. Okay, cool. Right. And it doesn't, uh, the number of Apple TVs connected doesn't count against that, by the way. Oh, okay. Interesting. Yeah, it's, it's so weird. Uh, the reason I know this is we're trying to do something like this, uh, uh, Braden and I, for like a side project, and we're trying to do all the use cases for it. And we're, we're just kind of stumbling across these things as, as we're going. And it's like, okay, well, why can I have a whole bunch of Apple TVs but only five iPads? I, <laughs> I don't understand that. They're not under the same, the same rules. Okay, I, I, that's cool. what I would imagine. Okay. So, uh, oh, just 
quick technical details on the on the Mac Mini itself. Uh, which which one are you using, and how low of a system do you think someone could get away with if someone's trying to you know, like figure out what what kind of Mac Mini, how much how much horsepower do I need? So I had on the server side. I had up until recently the oldest Mac Mini around uh, that uh, had digital audio. So it was about a three-year-old system Mm -hmm. and it was working fine for serving up the content because all that really it's doing is streaming off the content it's acting like a network attached drive right um i recently upgraded to the latest one only because i couldn't install lion on the previous one and i wanted to be able to access the computer uh with my back to my mac account and without lion once you once you've got something upgraded to lion like my laptop it won't see non-lion devices uh, you know because it, it's now using iCloud for that feature mm-hmm. so if you can't get on iCloud then you can't see the, uh, the the device so that's the only reason I upgraded so the long-winded answer is uh, you you can get something on eBay right now and it'll still work as a server for you right as long as it has the digital well you don't need it that just happened to be the one I got you just need something that can install iTunes the latest version of iTunes and uh, have a network connection huh. <laughs> Well, that that covers a lot of Mac Minis, so that's great. And then on the on the storage side, because I would imagine, although you probably you probably actually gained a lot of space reconverting from the Video TS to the H two sixty four. But uh, what are you using for? Are you still using the same? I think you had a dual uh, a two disc just external FireWire hard drive for the storage. Is that what you're still using? Uh, yes, actually, I uh, upgraded to two terabytes. And you're absolutely right. The um, the H.264 got me so many more movies. I, I think I have uh, 256 movies in the library now. And we'll talk about this in a bit. I am now ripping Blu-rays at a much higher quality. Uh, so, uh, you know, two terabytes is plenty. You could, you could probably, when it's all said and that, I could probably have about three or 400 movies on there. And uh, I have two of them because one's just a carbon copy of the other. Because the worst thing that would happen is if that drive <laughs> failed and I'd have to re-rip everything again. It's just, it's just for, for backup. And are you using, do you use carb, Carbon Copy Cloner, Super Duper? What's your favorite? I don't, I, I don't even do that. I do something so simple. I, I wrote an Apple script that periodically just copies the iTunes folder from one to the other. It's as simple as that. All right. And so are you doing it command line? We're going to nerd out for a little bit here. No, not Apple command line. Just... Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, no, no, the Apple script is... Um, yeah, command line. Uh, so I'm, I'm shelling out to the uh, command line just to go and uh, to do the copy. And you do like a ditto or something? Yeah, uh, I don't know the exact. I, to be honest <laughs> with you, I kind of cut. I found I did a Google search. You did a for cut and paste. It, and I yeah. cut and pasted it. But yeah, there's there. I mean, there's command line tools that'll allow you to do basically cloning. Uh, so you know, for Unix geeks out there, they're going. They're probably screaming at us, going, "Hey, it's this command! It's this yeah. command!" But you can find them, and and you say, "Yeah." So a simple Apple script that works, right? Yeah. You know, you, yeah. Apple script is great. I've been doing some automator stuff recently. As a matter of fact, I have a video I just recorded last night that I'm going to post uh, solving an iPhoto uh, problem that somebody was having with printing the PDF, uh, p- printing PDFs directly into iPhoto, which doesn't work anymore, but. That's my little teaser. Cool. <laughs> I'll point people to that video in the next episode of the MacCast. But um, so, 
Yeah. So what uh, on on the storage? What what is what are you using? Uh, what kind of drives? It's just a Western Digital uh, external drive, okay. uh, two of them. And you know the thing is the prices have come down. And recently, even though they they've gone up because of the issues in uh, I think it's uh, uh, Thailand. Thailand. Yeah. Uh, they're still cheaper than what I paid for the for those drives because I've had these drives for a while. Yeah, I need to get some new hard drives external hard drives I, i'm a big fan of seagate so and you're using i'm assuming firewire 400 or 800 uh, 800 me. yeah uh, and the funny thing is the one i had before uh the was uh, i was using usb2 because the older mac mini that's all it supported uh usb2 and, and the regular firewire and that was and, enough throughput and that wasn't yeah oh yeah because uh the, the remember these are sending uh compressed files to the apple tv and the apple tv does the decompression so you're only needing uh to send uh a uh, I don't know, uh, uh, less than um, uh, you know, ten megabits per second. Uh, the way I've got it compressed to the um, uh, to the Apple TV, so FireWire, even a USB two O, could support that with no problem. Very cool. Yeah, that makes that that makes sense. And last question, I guess, are you running that server uh, headless without without a monitor? Or does it have a monitor hooked it's, up? To it's it? headless. It's just it's actually underneath my desk. There's an a- area where I've just got it sitting there, just. 24-7, just sitting there waiting to stream a movie. <laughs> and then you It's just also use, running my home automation, too, so it's doing a couple other things. Use the built-in screen sharing over your home network, and then you also mentioned back to, to, back to my Mac, which I'm assuming allows you to remotely manage it from wherever you might be. That's absolutely correct. So, again, all app, this is all Apple-based, which is this, one of the amazing things about your solution that I really like, is it's really, the, you know, leveraging the technology that Apple's integrated into the operating system, into its hardware, and... Uh, yeah, you can do, like we were saying at the top of the show, you can do a lot more if you want to really get in and, and hack and throw a bunch of third-party tools. But I love the fact that this is a clean, pure Apple solution. You know, it's funny. When I demo this, I have people going, oh, what software are you using to do that? And I go, it's just the OS. Oh, what are you using for the for the remote access? It's just the OS. What are you doing for the backup? It, you know, because it's it, the OS. It, they, they just get blown away by it. And it's so straightforward to do. Cool. Very cool. All right, so let, let's get to the to the to the other end now. So we've the got Apple the server, we, yeah, everything on there. So now, tell. So prior to this, you had Mac Minis hooked up to each television. Is that how you got? That's right. And and now what I have is the Apple TV. And one of the reasons I went to it is it's so small, and it was not that the Apple TV was big, but it was just it barely uses any power uh when it's off it just it goes completely to sleep and you can wake it up with uh with the remote control and so i've got the uh two things going into, into actually i guess three wires i've got the ethernet wire i've got power and i've got the hdmi cable and i run the hdmi cable to my audio receiver and so the video and the audio go to that and then from the audio receiver up to my uh projector or to my television is uh another HDMI cable. Wait, so 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 say that again I want to follow that. So you've got the power and the ethernet and the HDMI from the Apple TV. So you're you're doing uh the audio from the Apple TV to your television over the HDMI and then doing your digital audio out from your TV to your receiver? No, no, the the receiver is also doing the audio processing. So the only thing going up to the TV is the video. Oh, sorry. So the the HDMI goes from the see. This is where my <laughs> I don't have these fancy home theater components. So you're going HDMI out from the Apple TV to the receiver, and then feeding the video from the receiver to the TV. 
Right. The receiver is acting as a as a HDMI switch. So I've also got plugged into the receiver my DirecTV box. Uh, what else do I have down there? I think, oh, my Blu-ray player. Yeah. And so the point is the current generation, has, has HDMI always, always supported digital audio and video over the HDMI cable? Yes, since okay. the beginning. Okay. I, I, yeah. So you're not using the optical out on on the Apple TV? No, no, not at all. That's why it makes it such a clean install, and uh, I, I'm very pleased with it. And so in the um, so now on the Apple TV, you you turn it on, you have it on screen, you go to the settings, and you join the home share. And as soon as you join the home share. Uh, and also, I logged in for iTunes so I can buy movies from it too, which is kind of really cool. You could rent movies or or buy television programs and that kind of stuff. And um, once you've done that, there's a computer section on the uh, on the U, on the GUI. You click on, you move over to the GUI, the computer section, and all the computers that are on your network show up on there. And so one of mine is named uh, named Movie Server. You select that, and all your movies show up there. Very cool. And it's that simple. I mean, I don't know that there's anything on the TV side more than that, right? Nope. <laughs> and, and so many benefits of the Apple TV. You got the Netflix. You've got, um, they even added this Wall Street Journal. So if you're someone who watches business news, they have that. They have so many things that make it uh, uh, worthwhile at $99. And I know a lot of my friends say, oh, you should check out the Roku because they, they, Roku does have a few more options available. Um, but one of the things that I like most right now is I'll buy television season passes. Uh, for instance, one of the shows that I really like is um, Covert Affairs mm-hmm. and Burn Notice. Those are both on USA. But if you've tried to watch something on USA, it's annoying because they've got their logo. They've got things popping up like coming up tomorrow is this. I think it takes away from the show. So these are two shows that my whole family likes watching. So I bought a season pass to that. I no longer download those. There's a a, a TV section. You go purchased and it has everything you've ever purchased there. And I just stream it right to the TV. So it's just fantastic. All the Apple TVs can now have access to anything I've ever bought, and it doesn't use up one bit of uh, storage space on my hard drive. Yeah, that is that is so cool. And you know, on the Roku thing, because I've been thinking about this, the Rokus are so cheap now. I think you can get. I think they have a version that's just about fifty or sixty bucks. Yes, forty nine dollars. You could just add one in. So if you want to do Hulu, if you want to do a bunch of that other paid subscription content, you could just add that to this. Yeah, at 50 you know? bucks, it doesn't hurt to have both. Yeah, it doesn't hurt to have both because those devices, the, the thing that they, they don't have is they don't have the integration with um, with iTunes, you know, and your iTunes purchase content. So you kind of have to have a, both, unfortunately, be nice to have it all in one. But, I mean, at those prices... <laughs> well, you know, and the thing is, uh, a lot of my friends will say, oh, well, you know, you can use a DLNA and this and that. It just doesn't look as nice. And I know that sounds silly, but to me, the presentation, when you have your friends over, that's what blows them away, how clean everything looks. And in, I'm, I'm a, if I were a betting man, I'm going to say probably within a year, you're going to have Hulu, you're going to have apps, you're going to have all kinds of stuff on that Apple TV. Maybe the Apple TV 3, I'm hearing rumors about, right. might have all that good stuff stuff on there right well very very cool oh the one other thing that i wanted to ask you about because i know i'm going to get an email about it and then and then uh we'll probably wrap this up i might have to have you back on to talk about the the actual apple television unless you have extra time do you you still have time i have a little bit more time okay 
So let me ask you this one question about uh, now what happens. So you've got everything centralized in terms of your movie content on this uh, Mac mini server. We know we can stream it out to these Apple TVs throughout the house. We can stream it to iPads and iOS devices through the uh, the video app, right? Is what you use on your iOS devices to do the same thing? Yes. Okay. Um, but you have a family. <laughs> you know, I, I have my wife here, and she has her own Mac and her own devices. Obviously, we can stream to other Macs through iTunes. What happens, though, if I want to actually physically sync some content and I have, you know, my separate account on my separate computer and I go, you know, I really want to take that movie with me on vacation, but I want it on my iPad because I know I'm not going to have, you know, a network connection or any kind of connectivity. How do you solve that problem? Because you can't just, do you you plug all the devices into that mini server or is that handled a different way? Oh, okay, so for my solution, I, I think I mentioned that I will convert off of that mini server to um, um, iPad version, right? Right, right. You have so, the, the iPad and then version. and then the, the resultant file I just copy to the computer that whoever wants to sync it. So if my daughter says, "Hey, can you put Crazy Stupid Love in a version for uh, iPad?" So I'll do that for her, and then uh, on the server she, on the, uh, yeah, and then I'll just drag and drop the file over to her computer with home share. That's the beauty of it, right? It just shows up and I just drag it over to her computer and drop it and it just copies over and then it shows up in her movie list and then she just syncs it to her iPad. So this is in iTunes, right? This is done in, yeah, after I've, yeah, it's done in iTunes, but you have to convert the file and then put it into somebody's iTunes. Yeah, I think a lot of people don't don't realize that feature exists though with home share. Like once you have home share on, you can copy music and movies and TV shows from one library to another. And in, in this case, because it's stuff that you ripped, it doesn't have the DRM fair play layer on it. Um, with the other uh, content, you would just have to, again, once you copied it over, if it was something purchased from iTunes, you just need to make sure that the library that you copied it to is authorized uh, to play it. And I think the first time you try and play it, it'll ask you to authorize it if it's not already authorized. And then you just plug in the credentials and then away you go. That's exactly right. And and what's cool about that is in the past, before they had home share, I would have to go to their computer and do add to library, and I'd have to navigate over to the folder where it's existing on whatever computer that it's on and make sure that I'm logged in and all that stuff. But now with home share, my daughter sees the Mac mini uh, library shows up under shared libraries or home share. Right. She And she just clicks on it and, and then the, it has a little triangle drop down and she clicks to movies and then all the movies show up. She highlights the movie she wants and she literally drags and drops it to her library and then it just copies. Yeah. The other thing I want to mention about home share that a lot of people don't realize either is once you've connected a home share library, um, you can automate some of this for your iTunes purchases. So if you select that home share in the library on the left, you get a little extra set of options um, down there at the bottom. And you can, one, show only the things that aren't currently in your local library. And then also there's a little settings button. And if you click that, it will allow you to check off automatically transferring either music, movies, TV shows, books, or apps um, across that home share which is can can be convenient if you want to automate some of the stuff at least for the uh the purchases unfortunately it won't work for this ripped content you'll have to still do that manually but 
Yeah. So you know what I'm hoping though, Adam, is they do the same sort of thing with the um, with the movies as they're doing with the TV program. So in that case, you don't have to use up your hard drive space. Right. For, for, as long as you got good <laughs> bandwidth, it, it, I think it'll be really cool. That's just the deals with you know they got to get the deals with the uh, with the studios done. I think. I, you know, yeah. So you know what I, I'm thinking here. I'm thinking here, maybe uh, for a, a follow-up show, we could talk about how to rip Blu-ray movies, because I, I was thinking about doing a, a tutorial on that, and maybe we could uh, col- collaborate on that. And two, maybe we could talk about the um, the uh, Apple, there's some rumor about them doing something called HD+, Plus, so it's a higher content, uh, it might be 1080p content, which would kind of let us believe that an Apple... TV three is coming with 1080p, <laughs> and uh, we didn't talk about the the physical Apple TV. Right, right. We just ran out of time. Yeah. Oh, there's so much <laughs> to talk about. Well, I think we're going to have a whole series of these. Um, I'm sure I'm going to get some great feedback on this, and and I'm I'm, I'm going to ask. I mean, give us feedback. Let us know what you want to hear. Uh, covered related to these topics. It doesn't have to be just video. We didn't even get into some of the audio stuff, the iCloud stuff we still have to talk about. So, Oh, you know what's cool about that? Sorry. I, I, the iCloud for the music, once you've got everything up there, the Apple TVs, you just hit the iCloud button and all your music's there. You don't even have to use HomeShare anymore. You can just use the iCloud. Yeah, yeah. We're going we're gonna to get you back on to dive all right, into cool. all of that. We've, we've, we've gone a, an hour and... I think I want to cut it off there. So <laughs> let us know what you want to hear next. Uh, Ara, thank you so much for coming on and uh, filling us in on your new setup. It sounds awesome. Um, and we'll dive more into, I think, the nitty gritty on uh, of different aspects of this on future shows. But uh, until then, people can find, I'll try and have links to the few things that we, we talked about, although most of this stuff is just Apple, straight up Apple related. I'm not even sure we, if we brought up any third party software uh, no, we did handbrake. handbrake. Handbrake, yeah. yeah. So we'll make sure a link is handbrake up at maccast.com. And you can find Ara over at htguys.com. And that's where you'll find his podcast. You wanted to tell everybody a little, just a little bit real quick about your, your podcast. We talked a little bit about it on the top of the show, but I know you're doing some some new stuff with video and reviews and things sure. like that, right? Sure. So uh, it is the HDTV and Home Theater podcast, and actually, right now we put out a receiver buying guide, and we're putting and we just put out a HDTV buying guide. So if you're looking for something like that, you can go to our website and check out some of the the TVs and receivers that we uh, recommend. Great. But we cover everything, and what we're doing new stuff is uh, myself and a gentleman named Rodney Williams. We review Blu-ray movies for technical aspects, like you know, was the video quality good? Was the audio quality good? That kind kind of thing and that's available in our news and more section so uh, if you are a movie buff you may want to check that out awesome thanks again ara and uh, we'll have you on again real soon my pleasure so there's our Dardarian of the hdtv podcast you could check out his stuff i always love having him on it's fun to geek out over how to set up this media center you know use your mac it's in your apple products as a media center and, and as i mentioned in the show i love the fact that everything ara is doing is pretty much stock Apple stuff and Apple technology. Uh, there's plenty of other ways to go, and I'm sure Ara would be happy to discuss uh, any of that stuff. I want to have some more of these types of episodes, so if you enjoy this type of content, please give me some feedback. If you have some specific questions related to uh, iTunes, to using your Mac as a home theater system, to using your iOS devices to help you with content, um, we can get into a bunch of different areas of this. Of course, it doesn't just extend to video 
audio is also coming into play now, especially with iTunes Match, um, with some of the iTunes services and uh, the different applications uh, streaming. We can even talk about maybe some of the third-party stuff like Spotify and some of the other streaming services and how they compare to the offerings that Apple is offering up. So if you have questions related to that, please give me some feedback. Uh, send your comments, your questions. Audio comments are welcome. You can send those to maccast at gmail.com or call in on the listener hotline. That's at 281-622-4269, 281-MAC-IM-9. You can leave voicemail there. Um, R is also open to questions, so if you want to send them to me or just go over to his website, uh, he has contact information there, and you can even contact him directly. Let him know you heard him on the on the MacCast and you want to hear him back on. I know he'd appreciate that. So that's going to do it for today. Until next time, I will talk to you all again real soon.